are listening to episode 64 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name is John, and I am joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody. Here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we sure play a mean pinball in today's Inflation Deflation Challenge. A little stress fair. Uh, probably from all the pinball this week. So much pinball. So uh, a little preview into today's Inflation Deflation Challenge. If you don't skip ahead... Uh, we played pinball this whole week. Uh, yeah, we decided that instead of giving our usual touch with the uh, portable nature of this game, we would extend our playtime and have a little Mount Moon rematch in Pokemon. Yeah, you're stuck in Mount Moon still. Uh, so yeah, we basically took an entire week and played Pokemon pinball, and we're going to talk about a little later on about how you did versus how I did. I'm going to guess based on our early conversations this week. You definitely outplayed me on this. Yes. But as always, let's talk Chuck about one recent in the win. <laughs> so let's go ahead and uh, talk about our pickups this week. You beat me here, John. I certainly did. I beat a lot of people here. Uh, not really. So uh, yesterday, randomly, before I actually went to go get you for sushi, picked up a PlayStation 3, 22 games, three controls, and two move controls. Not too bad of a pickup. I got a bunch of DBZ games out of it, actually. So like Raging Blast 1, Raging Blast 2 uh budokai 3 i think was in there it's just a ton of games and overall it was a very good value for what i got a lot of titles i didn't have and if you care to see it you can check it out on our instagram at the game deflators facebook i think i put it on there at the game deflators and twitter i think it's certainly there at game deflators they can't handle the yeah so those are my pickups uh i was pretty stoked about it i'm assuming you picked up a Game Boy to play our Inflation Deflation Challenge? I already have a Game Boy. I got an awesome... I mean, physically picking it up. Oh, yeah. Physically, I picked my Game Boy up a lot this week. Okay. It was uh, a good week. Any Anytime I get to play that uh, Game Boy Micro I bought, I'm always happy. Yeah, straight from Japan. So, uh, other than playing our you know, Game of the Week, anything else? Uh, So, I was playing the Fractured Butthole all week again. That was really good. Still having a ton of fun with that. Uh, I'm pretty near the end now. I just got to a point where I have, spoiler alert, gotten all of the powers at my disposal so I can build any type of character I want. And it's cool to see like all the different options that were in the game the whole time that I haven't been taking advantage of. So I just changed some stuff up. I've tried to change my costume up like two or three times now. But I just made such a killer costume the first time. I really need to share that. I need to figure out how to share from my Switch. Uh, you can take pictures on your Switch. Yeah, there's a video. button, but I just need to hook it up to like our account so that I can post it. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. I should do that, too. Mm -hmm. Although you might not be able to have multiples, huh? I don't know. I, don't know. I guess we'll figure it out. One of us could take one platform, and one of us could take another, I guess. Well, I already got PS4. Okay. Uh, so, Final Fantasy XII. Anything on that? No, no. I'm going to finish up Fractured Butthole first. Then go to Final Fantasy XII, but I have been thinking about delaying Persona because I had so much fun playing Mario last week that I think I kind of want to pick up a Mario game to play to break up all this RPGing that I've been doing. So I'll finish Fracture Butthole, I'll finish Final Fantasy XII, throw some Mario in, and then I'll try to get to Persona later. I know it's going to take me all freaking year, but it's still only January, so I'm not ready to start right away, even though you're like halfway through Shenmue. A uh, third of the way through Shenmue. I didn't actually play it much this week. So uh, for my playing of this week, I played Neverwinter Nights with my wife. So we are on Chapter 2, 
of Neverwinter Nights, having a lot of fun so far, and really enjoying it. It's actually probably further than I've gotten in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot, of, you know, I played that game when it first came out, and I was not as old as I am now, so it wasn't exactly like super exciting back then. And we'll talk more about it in our D and D episode in a couple weeks. So yeah, for anybody listening now, we're gonna have a special episode in a couple weeks. Ryan and I are gonna talk about our campaigns and some of the fun things we're doing on that D and D. Or three Some weeks. of our D&D history as yeah, well. three weeks, I think, for that yeah. one. Um, so, yeah, we're laying it all out. Shenmue, though, it's still, you know, the little bit I played this past week, still clunky as all hell. Uh, its storyline is okay, but the audio just still kills me. Uh, the way that the characters speak to one another kills me. I just am not a huge fan so there's not the a game. lot in this game that's really driving you to want to keep playing it other than the you chose it to yeah so i'm already forward thinking on what i want to play next i've got about three games on my radar right now uh agony being one of them and i know that game has had terrible reviews so i'm hoping it's okay uh at least better than shenmue i hope um god of war the new one on ps4 or newest one and arkvalad 3 on ps1 so I beat number one and two years and years and years ago when they like first released it on the PS1. And I never did beat number three. And it's just a game that I've wanted to tackle for a long time. So I'm going to go ahead and, and do that at some point this year. Whether that's right after Shenmue or if it's, you know, after God of War, Agony, whatever it may be. I Those are my kind of three games that are on my radar right now that I want to play, play, and play. There you go. Yep. For uh, all of you out there to game, you, you probably feel that same pain as us as you know what to play next so at least there's some forward thinking here from both of us yeah all right let's gotta if i figure that you know if i really want to play more games in 2020 i gotta plan it out a little bit more yeah probably and and not pick up cave blazers again yeah probably not pick up play cave blazers so actually uh interesting that you mentioned that i think it was a corpse flood gaming uh who we follow on twitter and youtube and such uh so jason over there he played i think it was like 100 games this year that he completed oh wow it's like insane dude but a lot of that was like retro titles and such so mm-hmm. thing like he marked it down like i played this at the arcade i played this you know oh, okay. on nes yeah so he played a lot of retro titles but his goal was like i want to try and play as many flipping games as i can and there was like a one month or two month period where he was like 20 games away and he was just like slamming through them oh, wow. to hit a goal of like 100. It was absolutely insane. So kudos to him and uh, and check him out. And he also does a lot of, he has a collaboration podcast with uh, Game Tenants or it's the Game Tenants podcast with uh, Game Grinders. They kind of mm. join together. So check them out. Yeah. Um, news for this week. News. So uh, there is a new Pokemon inspired MMO that uh, is supposed to have a full-fledged anime called Temtem. Well, no, it or it, it sh- they're should, saying it, it should. should be a full-fledged anime because it looks gorgeous. It uh, Look, that intro video, yeah, you should totally have an anime based on that. Just it, the intro video alone. Now, I'm going to say I did not like the song. I did not like the song at all. I was not into it. Well, yeah, it was a garbage song. Uh, we'll have a link to that video so you can see the intro, but the concept, I think, is still pretty cool, and Yes, people are going to slam us because you have Monster... Well, not Monster Hunter, but you got Monster Rancher. You have Digimon. Well, but those aren't... Those were competitors with Pokemon. This is... Basically An Pokemon. iteration of Pokemon. Yeah. 
specifically that's what they like to put out so but it's that genre you know it's kind of the same area for all of those in a sense like they all share some sort of similarity temtem is like pretty much a clone is how it feels yeah um so we've got two articles here this first one is uh by patricia hernandez at polygon and they're talking mostly about the intro video because uh when the game launched i guess it was you know, hard to get in because new servers on a first day for a project like this, pretty, you know, pretty big. So she wasn't able to get in right away and uh, really loved the trailer for See, it. See, they're already copying the Pokemon company. Bad servers is what Pokemon Go had. They had bad servers at launch, too. You see, Ryan, there's a there's a pattern going on here. Well, and then we've got some more news on Temtem because that was pretty much just kind of reaction in the trailer. And then... Uh, Temtem proves that Pokemon is a genre now. And this is by uh, Lottie Lynn at Eurogamer. So this was a nice look into kind of some of the differences between this game and Pokemon. Uh, for example, you always have two in play. Also, you have a stamina system instead of just uh, the PowerPoints for your moves. You have each move costs a certain level of stamina, and if you don't have enough stamina to execute the move, you'll actually deal damage to yourself, and you'll recover a little bit each turn, but if you take a rest turn, you'll recover even more. So there is a lot more strategy going on here. Uh, she was very high-praising the game for being like Pokemon and getting to explore in that same way, like the first time you played Pokemon, when you didn't have the move charts memorized and you didn't know all the type advantages, like playing a very similar game, but getting to rediscover all those things for the first time, I could see how that would probably breathe a lot of good new life in to the genre. But I'm just, I think I'm too old. I'm past Pokemon. And I think that Temtem's just gonna be one of those things that I'm never going to do, especially because it's an MMO. I've never been an MMO person. I've played several. They just don't really hook me. And uh, Pokemon-inspired MMO sounds like a dream, just not for me. So I'm kind of the opposite on this from you in a way. I think it's a pretty cool concept, but there's so many monster training and capturing games out there. I mean, you've had the Monster Rancher series for years. You've got the Digimon series and... Uh, you know, I'm not going to, I shouldn't throw this in there, but you got like even Yu-Gi-Oh, for example, out there for all these years in terms of... Yu-Gi-Oh is a card game. Uh, yeah, well, so was Pokemon. It turned into a TV show and then games. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is that the the monster capacity of it, like the going out and collecting things, it's like a collect-a-thon of monsters or cards, or in, in this case, it's still cards when you have the Temtems. So uh, there's so many out there that it really doesn't differentiate itself enough. But what I would say is... Can you imagine, and you kind of just alluded to it, if there was a Pokemon MMO, like what that would mean for the genre, if they would have done this, a Pokemon MMO. I mean, that's five, essentially years, kind of what Pokemon Go is. Yeah, Pokemon Go is kind of an MMO, except for the fact that you can only play with other people locally. I'm saying, like, can you imagine five, six years ago, you and I playing Pokemon, and we're going ahead and exploring together all the different areas and capturing Pokemon together and battling other trainers and, like, dual battles. And well, you could do that in uh, Let's Go Eevee and Pikachu. What? The uh, dual battles and such? You can have two-player mode. Locally, right? Yeah. Yeah, locally. I'm talking about just online. 
Yeah, it just, I mean, to wander around a Pokemon world and see another trainer sprite walking around, it's not enough to re-interest me. I mean, and we just, well, I always feel bad. Like, I have a, I have a freaking Pikachu keychain on my keys. Like, I love Pokemon, but I feel like I'm always smack-talking Pokemon on the podcast. I'm sorry to people out there who are big Poke fans. I'm a big Poke fan. I'm just disinterested in it and everything around it right now. Except well, for this week's inflation deflation challenge. Exactly. Uh, so, and you've told everybody what we're doing, and it'll be in a preview anyways. So it'll be ruined way in advance. Uh, no, but I, I mean, really, if there was a Pokemon MMO, I would be more inclined to play that than just playing a local game by myself or hooking up online to do just a general battle or trading Pokemon with people. Like, that doesn't seem like fun. This seems like fun. Being able to create your character, collect everything, do your battles and have like that MMO experience. I think that's something Pokemon had been missing for years. And if they would have done that a long time ago, can you imagine where the Pokemon brand would be right now? Now like, I could see it being interesting if you came out with like an art style to match all of the existing Pokemon games together and come up with like an MMO that has all of the known the worlds, Pokemon yeah. regions and almost turn it into moving forward into its own you know mmo franchise it's kind of like um and then you could even have the... like exclusives that are in that particular game yeah i mean that would be you know that would definitely be a huge step forward for them but i just like dude it's still many... not a, it's still not my cup of tea it's fine for other like people. you could have missions with people that are you know stealing pokemon in the area or team rocket you know like total like yeah tons of different things new enemies have come up there's so much you could do with the you know, the material that they have with Pokemon to create its own MMO. And I feel like that's a huge missed opportunity. And now you've got, you know, some other random thing coming through Temtem that might capitalize on like that thing that they should well, have been doing. And it with takes, you know, even if like you were saying, the genre seems fairly flooded with other, you know, games. Maybe you need something like this to really become a competitor in a different way and more of a direct competitor in that way to make them finally push forward. Cause if they're not going to do it and somebody else is, if game freak has to play catch up and they have to reinvent the wheel and to stay relevant, you know, that's a good thing for us in the long run. Yeah, it's true. I mean, uh, that is how you create innovation with Pokemon being where it has been all of these years. Somebody to push them into a different direction is that possibly might happen with this. Um, let's go into our next bit of news Let's skip here, down to number four real quick, because I think we could tie that in a little bit here, too. Sure. Yeah, we uh, totally do that. Speaking of Game Freak and pushing things forward and inventing the wheel again, uh, we've got a little bit of news. PS4 treated to a new game from Pokemon developers as Nintendo Switch exclusive moves. This is from Gary Jones at express.co.uk. And so, uh, I say skip it. Not big news. Don't get excited. Don't, don't worry about to it. Ryan, I will talk about this one. He d he's not excited whatsoever. So I think this is a big shift in the right direction for Game Freak. And uh, really, what this is showing is that they're not going to stand their thumb in Nintendo. And if you haven't figured it out now, uh, we're talking about Little Town Hero. So it will be going to PS4. Uh, that was recently announced per this article. And while it isn't a major exclusive that they've had for years like the Pokemon brand, 
And Game Freak has done this in the past with very... They have a couple other yeah, games like, that are on some other platforms. Yeah, they do have a few things out there on different platforms. But they, for the most part, they've been working on Pokemon and, and now Little Town Hero for years. So what it's showing is that Game Freak is, I hope, branching out in the next generation of games and realizing we just can't put all of our games on Nintendo's console. And a lot of other companies have done that over the years. And while being a Sony fanboy myself have been frustrated to see some exclusives that I've had on the PlayStation go to other consoles. I guess timed exclusives or game franchises that I thought were always going to be on PlayStation. It's really interesting to see a Nintendo company kind of go in. They haven't been, they've been contracted for the Pokemon games and such, but seeing them kind of jump out and, and brought into other consoles this late in the game of their, you know, history is really interesting. So, I think it's I know just a excited. cash grab. I think that, you know, I was really let down by that game, and I think a lot of people were, and I think a lot of, especially Pokemon fans, felt that this is part of the suffering of Sword and Shield. But, you know, if you really were dying to try this game and you don't have a Switch, Gamefly it, rent it, well, borrow you, it you from can. a friend. It's, it's digital only. Oh, it's going to be digital only? It's okay. always, no, it's always been digital Yeah, only. that's true. Well, then you're screwed. Like, if you really want to play this game, I'm not going to say that it's going to be worth the price. You know, maybe sit on that and wait until it goes on sale eventually. Or maybe in five years it'll be on PS Plus. Well, see, here's the thing, man. This was a big push for Nintendo. You know, Otis RPG, Game Freak, Creators of Pokemon, it's being released on the Switch. And now it's going off to Sony. Now, obviously Nintendo probably knew about this going in that they weren't going to have full exclusive rights to it. But it makes you wonder if Nintendo needs to push towards acquiring Game Freak. I don't know if many acquisitions they've done in the past, but they've already seen Rare, you know, go away and get acquired. What happens if Sony purchases Game Freak all of a sudden, you know, or developers from that team? What do you do in that case? So I really would be interested to see what kind of play Nintendo makes based on this alone. No comment? Um, I... I don't know. I I don't really see it as being being on the table for them. I think that just because they're making a port assumes a lot. I think that that's a little bit of lacks in exclusivity because the game probably didn't perform as well as they wanted. I think it's more of a of a money grab situation where it's like, well, not well, a lot of people Freak, really yeah. dug this, but there's probably some people who couldn't play it on Switch that would still buy it. And well, yeah. it's probably the cheapest way to get that additional revenue because they're not going to be like unless they want to start a whole nother game and work on that and sell that multi-platform. You know, that's really the only other way they're going to get money from non-Nintendo people is by porting something. And that's probably the only thing they really had available to do that with because they would never do it with any of the other titles that they have. Well, I mean, here's the thing to consider on that. Yeah, pushing it off the PS4 is definitely going to be a cash grab on the fact of, you know, Game Freak doing it. But for Nintendo, that hurts from a brand standpoint. You had this game in Little Town Hero. You could only play it on Nintendo Switch. And Everybody now who sudden, bought it on Switch already probably... I know. But I'm saying from a brand perspective, you could only play that game on that console. And now all of a sudden, you're one of your biggest developers from your most beloved franchises that you have on your console is now porting it over to the PlayStation which is your biggest competitor. Well, and to tie in, um, it might not even be necessary for them to have to worry about that 
because they're already going to be getting Temtem on PS4 and Xbox. Yeah, it's supposed to be coming to consoles in 2021. So if uh, if Game Freak, you know, sees this as, hey, we're going to start weeding some stuff out onto here and get, you know, our name out to Sony players more, then... Think about the marketing opportunities from Sony, you know, from the creators of Pokemon and Little Town Hero, whatever, like, they're going to be able to promote in that capacity of, like, hey, Game Freak's got a game on our system. That looks bad for Nintendo to have that. I don't know that they would, like, advertise it that way. I don't think this game is going to get... I think this is probably the only news we're going to see about this. I don't think that we're going to see a large enough advertising budget for Sony to really capitalize on that in the way you're talking about. I am calling it now. Game Freak is going to develop more games for other consoles, and I really do think Nintendo is going to acquire them at some point in time. All right, we'll see. All right. So, uh, next thing is Xbox Series X poises to avoid current-gen marketing mistakes. This is Already? By, well, this is by Lou Contaldi of DualShockers. And he does kind of come with a forward and say, normally we don't do this type of article. We never really cover executive movement within a company. But this is actually pretty important for him. But already, this is what I wrote. Before even reading the article, no. They don't. It's called the Xbox Series X. They just released an Xbox One S and an Xbox One X. It's already confusing. No matter what they say, it's already confusing before we even read the article. Now, I've read the article. Okay. It was pretty good and I liked it. And it was much more interesting than I thought it was going to be. But my first point still stands. No, it's already confusing because of the name. Yeah, you sound like a Sony fanboy right now. I'm not. I know I sound like a Sony fanboy a lot on here because I badmouth Pokemon and don't own an Xbox One, but I played my Xbox 360 to death and I'm not against a popular or good Xbox at all. But at this point, with Game Pass being the way it is and Xbox exclusives being the way that they are, I think that honestly if i wanted to play xbox games i'd be better off investing in a gaming pc and just getting game pass like i really don't see anything that's going to push me towards the xbox series x but if anybody can make it happen it's gonna be this guy from netflix so we'll go to that in a minute but for our sony listenership i'm really close i almost have ryan to the point of wanting to be a sony fanboy we're almost there so, yeah, you did bring up that's an executive from Netflix, but the interesting thing about that is this guy was also an executive for Microsoft during the days of the Xbox 360. And while that was super successful, the 360 was... Jarrett West. Yes. And I think he was chief marketing officer, if I'm correct. He's... Well, he's going to be Xbox marketing... Oh, um... I think he was the CMO for Netflix. Head of marketing... Let's see. Yeah, he was head of marketing. Yeah, so he was a head of marketing for the Xbox 3. Well, during the Xbox 360's tenure, went off to Netflix, found success there, and now they're bringing him back because they saw so much dysfunction within their Xbox One X, S, Xbox One original, whatever the hell it is. There was so much dysfunction and confusion that they said, let's bring back this guy that was actually during our most successful console release and see what happens. Obviously, they're not off to a good start given all the confusion if it's a PC or not a PC and the tons of memes that have been coming out. Uh, But I will mention one thing to you, man. Despite the fact that um, 
this guy's coming in and he's supposed to change the marketing and change the look on this, Microsoft still hasn't won a console generation, regardless against Sony. You can look back to Xbox 360 and PS3 and say, oh, well, you know, Microsoft beat the crap out of Sony in, in the U.S. Well, from a global sales perspective, the PS3 actually ended up outpacing the 360 and outselling it in general. No, but I mean, it did create like a really strong place second competitor that it did. Yeah, I think buried the GameCube. Well, the GameCube was buried from the start of his little tiny discs and its lack of ability to play any sort of media whatsoever other than those little discs. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, you know, the Wii. I mean, the Wii at least had Well, Netflix. the Wii sold like gangbusters. Nobody nobody oh, could yeah, compete I with mean, the Wii. That, it was such a fad. I mean, it was, what, 250 bucks compared to the next consoles at like 350 or 4 See, and that's one thing that they're kind of touting in this article, saying that um, they are thinking that the... Uh, where was that part well i will i will continue through the awkward silence of ryan uh looking through so as a sony fanboy um self-proclaimed i i will have to say ryan that i do think that the playstation 5 is going to take this next generation oh of course it, it doesn't matter who you bring in there was a recent study actually that was done that was about um brand loyalty and it had sony as out of the big three companies sony was the biggest you know from a brand loyalty perspective, they had the largest uh, portion or percentage of that. I think it was 40% like Microsoft's uh, 31 and Nintendo's 30% on that article. I'll, I'll try to link that as well in our podcast. Uh, but that right there tells you like the market is kind of already fragmented to where it needs to be, right? Uh, Nintendo, they have the Switch. They've sold, what, 50 million, 55 million consoles so far uh, in its lifetime. And Sony's already eclipsed over 107 million. I mean, People that got that taste of PS4 and that bad taste of Xbox One X and Xbox One, why would they go to Series X that is already potentially going to be more expensive than a PS5? And you know you're not going to have exclusives for at least a year. And whether those exclusives will be worth the admission price. Yeah, and so on top of that, Sony already has, you know, in that same exact study, it was like one-third of consumers wanted to buy a PlayStation 5 or were interested, and it was like one-fourth of consumers were interested in the Xbox Series X. Well, and I find it odd. Like, I know that we're still all kind of sitting back and waiting to hear all the final stuff on the PS5, and that's coming, and I know we know so much about the Xbox one or Series X, but one thing they haven't said at all as far as I've seen, like, I don't know that there's any plans for really integrating any kind of VR. And we know that PlayStation 5, you know, once we find out more about it, we're definitely going to find out more about PSVR 2. Like, there's going to be a huge point in time past the launch of the PS5 when we're also going to get, like, the next generation of home console VR, which... I mean, if it's anything to be expected from the power of these new machines is going to be able to provide a much, much greater level of home experience without having to buy a $2,000 computer to tie into. So the more expensive, you know, Series X, if it's not going to use that power in that way at all, you know, you're kind of double dipping with Sony and I could see it being the more reliable investment for somebody who wants to get into VR and also wants killer exclusive games, because those are going to probably be games that you're not going to see on PC 
and Steam and other VR locations. Well, and that's one of the main reasons I've been picking up so many PlayStation 4 VR games as of late. Anytime I can get my hands on a title that's you know kind of uncommon and you don't see it too often, I've been picking them up because who knows what Sony's releasing. If Sony does go VR two and and you know we've seen like the specs of like a wireless headset and everything else, which is awesome. If they go that route and the PS five is a hundred percent backwards compatible at that point, I'm gonna be so happy. I've already got my games laid out. I've got games that'll probably not even have digital releases at that point. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be flipping sweet. Xbox, we don't really know what's going on with them, and I, I can get excited for Sony. I think the future's there. Like you can kind of get those they're trickling out the information and you're like all right cool this is getting me excited xbox like oh yeah here's a giant tower that looks like your computer desktop get excited mm-hmm. it's gonna be cool and oh yeah you're not gonna have exclusives like I, I can already tell sony's gonna win this next generation just off that alone no marketing cmo or guru is gonna come into microsoft and propel them to be the top dog in the gaming industry again yeah well second top dog all right well uh I'm a little tired out about, um, you know, talking about Sony and Xbox and non-Pokemon games. Let's talk about some Pokemon. Let's talk about some Pokemon. So this week for the Inflation Deflation Inflation Deflation Challenge, we did Pokemon Pinball for the Game Boy Color. So I do have to ask you, because we both played this during the course of the last week. How many millions of points did you get? What was your highest total? Because I had to take a picture of mine. And this was uh, last night. I think I caught three or four Pokemon in the match at that point in time. So, uh, go ahead and give us the, the stats on this real quick while I pull mine up. While you search. You, you misspelled Nintendo, by the way. On no, our, I did. Yeah, you did. Okay, so uh, Pokemon Pinball. It was on the Game Boy Color. Had a reception of about 87 out of 100. It was released in June of 1999. So a uh, nice prime year there before all of our computers went haywire. Uh, complete in box, this game is going for thirty three forty seven. Peaked back in June of twenty nineteen at thirty six seventeen, and looks to be trending upwards. And then we've got loose copies floating around there for eight thirty nine a pop, with a peak at ten twenty three back in February of twenty eighteen. And it also looks like it's going up a little bit, so kind of trending on that upwards area. And um, you know, we've got it listed here as a, I guess, a buy now. Uh, Ryan, did you find your score? Do we have any designers on here? Published by Nintendo? No designers? No, it didn't have anything listed. Oh, interesting. Where do you get your info? Wiki? Yeah. Oh. So Wikipedia, uh, folks. I don't know how to find my... Do you remember what you had? Did you, I, it's you... like 163 million. Damn it. Yeah, so I got... And I caught 15 Pokemon. Yeah, so I caught like seven or eight Pokemon during the week. I only played it like three or four days. Yeah, and I only very played probably capacity. like... I might have played like four or five hours of the game. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I said that, you know, for a loose 839, pick this up. Like, this is a fantastic game, in my opinion. It's perfect for like having with you when you only have a few minutes, you know, to play a game. It's a fun little version of pinball. Trying to get the hang of it is tricky, but it feels good once you do. So, yeah, for me, I was, you know, I had my th- my two thumbs, actually, in the B and A buttons to be able to do much. And then I had, like, the the knuckle part of my thumb was uh, set up against the D-pad so I could rumble, you know. Obviously, I was playing on a Game Boy Advance SP, so I had that, you know, ability to do that. Uh, I would say it was a lot of fun in the little time I played. So the D-pad acted as your tilt. So if anything was kind of occurring where you had the ball sitting on, like, 
just the tippy top of one of those lanes up above, mm. you can kind of shift it right or left to fall into the lane you wanted and get like you could trigger multipliers and such as you know. I would, yeah. I would assume you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I had a lot of fun with the overall controls of this. I was a little underwhelmed with the fact that it was only two boards, red and blue. Mm-hmm. That was a little underwhelming. I really do wish there were more boards, but I do understand that given the time that this was released, there's a reason that there was only two boards because yeah, you only had red a, and blue. <laughs> this was a pretty quick turnaround game for them from red and blue to get released, and it was the first like side no pokemon trading card game i think came out oh, did that come out before this i want to say it was around the same time frame uh we could look that up while you talk so i think that uh it's a fantastic diversion i played this game a lot when i was a kid i had it i think that the rumble feature was a fun innovation i know most people don't wind up using the rumble feature for long periods of time because it kind of gets annoying after a while but i think that uh Trying to, you know, introduce kids to uh, pinball through Pokemon is a cool experience. Like, you know, when I was young, it was probably one of my first experiences with pinball. I'm not great at pinball by any means, but I do like to play whenever I'm at an arcade. I'll hit the pinball up for a little while because I love the aesthetics of the boards. I love the, you know, all the lights and all the different you know, themes that they have for different pinballs. And I think that Pokemon pinball works really good. I mean, I can see a lot of other franchises probably not being as adaptable. Like Pokemon's done so many different genres because of its marketability and how appealing the Pokemon are, especially the first generation. Like this was a smash hit. I think this was, uh, definitely it's a, for me deflated. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, just to answer our question before, Pokemon Trading Card Game came out in December of 1998. Mm. Uh, we could play that at some point, too. And this one came out six months later, obviously. Mm-hmm. So they were really just kind of honing in on the fact that Pokemon being as big as it was when we Getting were Getting that mass appeal out. Yeah, I mean, I remember friends being of mine... Being assaulted by Pokemon as children. Yeah, I mean, I remember, like, backdoor trading of Pokemon cards at school. So, I mean, it was it was crazy during that period of time. Uh, so really, a lot of kids aren't going to... I mean, they do have Pokemon nowadays in schools, it's but... It's not the same. It's not the same It at was that a point. phenomenon. Yeah, exactly. So like what everybody experienced with Pokemon Go and all the fun there, if you hadn't played Pokemon back when, you know, in the early 90s or late 90s, yeah, there was nothing like it, at least at that point in time. And um, basically, the trading card game, 98, I remember a lot of friends playing that. I don't remember as many friends playing the pinball game for some reason. But I can say that I truly missed out mm-hmm. not playing that game years ago. I felt it was a lot of fun. It was underwhelming with the two boards, but it did have me engaged. Last night, my run up to 129 million, I was like so stoked, like hitting the tilt and everything. Got my Meowth, went to the special Meowth level, yeah. and was getting the extra coins. Uh, you know, the what is it? EX, EX, EX. I, I forget what that was. I guess experience. Yeah. So it was like gaining experience to get those, more boosts. Those are for like leveling. I didn't level anything up. Did you level anything up? I leveled several things up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I never difficult. got the level up. I caught more things. Yeah. So the level up was kind of difficult. You had to. I, I didn't really understand you the full basis. You have to get basis. the ball to go around the left hand side of the board three times and then shoot it into the ditto on the red board or shoot it into the, the slow poke, slow poke yeah. on the blue board 
Did you ever at any point get your pinball or really Pokeball into the Starmie? Starmie? Yeah, there was a Starmie on the, on. I think it was the blue board. Mm-mm. So you had a slow poke at the top. You had, uh, or no, maybe it was it was the bell sprout one, the red one. Yeah. So you had the bell sprout curve. That's a up. ditto that goes up you the left side. You had a ditto side. on the top left, but you had a Starmie poking out on the bottom left. Oh, I think that was just a bumper. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, I don't think it was a hole. I think okay, it was just a bumper. I, I was like, why can I not get in that damn thing? Um, but yeah, dude, it, it was pretty fun. And I, like I said, I caught about seven or eight Pokemon roughly. Um, I think it was a Meowth, an Onyx. Uh, caught a Neat Arena, Bellsprout, Ekans, and then there was like uh, two more, I think, that were tied in on that. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty cool. So I would say I'm right there with you, man. Uh, this is probably deflated. If you if you found this for like 10 bucks, you wouldn't really be doing yourself a disservice. You could definitely pick this up and play it. And um, the high scores are so ridiculous that you're going to even want yeah, to like, touch the top five. You have to break five. 100 million to get even to number five oh, and then see. i think the top spot is 600 million or something uh, i think of mine it's 500 million 500 million yeah okay. and the only unfortunate thing is i'm playing a copy that i picked up secondhand mm-hmm. so my version like the guy like the sixth or fifth place is like 175 million yeah so you didn't even i couldn't even couldn't crack even it crack into it was, that because yeah. it was already done i'm like damn it man so and what sucks is that i got 129 million on the blue board which was great if i was on the red board because red board the total is the like, red board's harder well the, yeah it is but the red board had like 115 million on it and if i would have gotten that amount yeah obviously, on I would've that one you would have at least yeah so i couldn't even crack i on just the blue feel board. like the vo- the way the voltorbs are positioned is much harder to get to than the shelters because you have that arrow that just shoots you up on the blue board into them which makes like uh catching way easier like i definitely caught way more stuff on the blue board but actually the red board's the only one that i caught three and moved on to the meowth on oh really well the blue board's where i moved on to the meowth uh and that was actually really cool i think at one point i had like a five times multiplier going on and then i level up a pokemon in the process so i got a ton of points did you ever that. get a master ball uh I, I only got an ultra ball did i get a master once. ball i think i only got an ultra ball mm-hmm. i don't believe i got a master ball so I'm going to have to keep playing it to try and get a Master Ball. Yeah. No, it was a pretty sick game. I actually enjoyed it a lot. So definitely play it if you're out there, and uh, I think you'll have a great time with it. Yeah. Uh, wow, we blazed through this episode, dude. This Quick might, one. This might be our shortest episode. Yeah, we had a ton of news. Do you want to talk about the article I found uh, after you know, after um, you created the outline? It's actually a really cool one about this generation of graphics. and. I mean, if you want to talk about it, I didn't even see the article. Okay, well, I'll bring it up, and then I'll just get your opinion. So, uh, title of the article. We don't even have to read this whole thing thoroughly. Uh, PS5 and Xbox Series X are going to hit a graphics dead end. Like, like once we like, hit 8K, there's not there's like, no 16K? Well, not that. They're basically saying that, like, from a graphical output, this is the limit. Like, you can't get past this outside of it being, like, real life mm. that's kind of what it's saying do you think that's a possibility actual definition actual definition like <laughs> that looks like a movie are we back in the 3do era right yeah right um i don't know do you think that's a a possibility here in the next generation i mean i think that this generation could be the last generation of consoles for a lot of reasons um i think that moving forward graphics I mean, graphics are already so not that important to me for 
my taste in gaming and like i mean we've seen i don't it with know i think people games. will always try to do better well yeah i mean we've seen it with the indie games and the last several years there's tons and tons of successful indie titles that have come out and i've enjoyed the vast majority of them from a graphical output piece uh, you know well the last generation was so sick in indies terms of have graphics. given a lot of a lot of interesting new expressions of what is good graphics like I think that beyond some of the like really, really detailed fighters that came out in the past, I mean, pixel art's never been as good as it is now. True. You know, like they're pushing the medium forward. Like uh, even the new Pokemon Explorers, uh, no, not Pokemon Explorers, Pokemon Dungeon Mystery. Mm-hmm that's coming out the new version they just released a demo on that and it has this like kind of childlike painterly quality you know uh nino kuni 2 pushing anime games forward like a lot for like a 3d adventuring game and looks like you're playing a ghibli movie like graphics have moved forward in so many other ways beyond just going for that photorealism that i think that the art style will continue to be pushed forward in new and exciting and innovative ways. But, you know, maybe whatever Kojima does next is going to be the best looking, most photorealistic, like it's just actors in a game like in Death Stranding and it'll be the top that that's going to be. But I don't think that it'll ever stop moving forward because that's what these people are there to do you know yeah. they're there to follow their passions and drive and innovate yeah and when you kind of consider that even looking at some of these most recent next gen games they're still i feel like they can continue to push the push it forward like you're gonna have even higher quality games that come out in the next decade like we saw that with the playstation 3 and the playstation 4 like the initial releases on those consoles while beautiful and while very nice from a photorealistic standpoint the boundaries continue to get pushed game after game after game late in the console's life cycle as things develop. And I really think that we'll we'll see that further with the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. But I don't think that's the end of it. You have such powerful gaming PCs out there that are coming out every single year. I I really I really think that the boundaries will continue to get pushed even past this generation. Yeah. So all right. Well, we can end the episode there, man. Uh Anything that we want to play next week, console-wise, I mean, we can kind of come back to it and and figure things out. Uh, we just did a handheld, so I'm kind of feeling retro title, man. We haven't done like an NES or SNES title in a while, I think. Yeah, let's find something good on NES. Yeah, I just picked up like 20 games like a month ago on NES or SNES, so I think we're we got a good chunk to to choose from. All right, well, uh, this has been episode 64 of the Game Deflators podcast. We're changing stuff up this week. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thank you for listening.